Now let's look at, uh, at uh, Romans 12. Do a little meddling tonight. Romans 12, verse 9. says, Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. And be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of saints, given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. And be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Of course, all this scripture deals with our general attitude and our behavior toward one another first and then toward all people. It concerns the exercise of grace. It concerns the practice of grace. If you say you have grace and you don't practice grace, you don't have it. It was said of one man, he's a Christian, but he's not a practicing Christian. Well, I don't believe there is such a person as that. If a man's a Christian or a woman, they practice what they are. So verse 9 says, let love be without Dissimulation, the word dissimulation means hypocrisy or pretense. Don't pretend to love. John Brown said, True sincere love is the heart of spirituality and the cement of the church. 
It holds everything in place and holds everything together. Without this love that is without hypocrisy, all the profession which we make, all the gifts we have, all the works we do are to no avail. First John four. First John four seven and eight. Four seven. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God. And knoweth God. And he that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. That's a plain statement. Verse 20 If a man say, I love God, and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? He can't. So to whom is all of this directed? Well, first of all, that this love is directed, first of all, to Christ. You have to love Christ first. And then it's directed toward others. And it must be the same, not in word only, but in deed and truth. Our Lord said, By this shall all men know you're my disciples, if... You love one another. So do you love without dissimulation? Or is it just talk? Abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. The word abhor means to hate. And the word cleave has a twofold meaning. It means to glue or keep company. Hate that which is evil and keep company or be glued to that which is good. Just glue yourself to that which is good. And if a man is truly regenerated, he will hate sin and uh, he's not to hate the one who sins but he hates the, the sin that he sees in himself and in others. He will not hate them, but he will hate the sin. You're not, uh, you're not given any right to hate people. John Gill said, be glued to God, be glued to Christ, and be glued to the gospel. Just glue yourself. Verse 10, be kindly affection one to another. With brotherly love. Well, I look at verse 9 and then look at verse 10. It looks like Paul almost says the same thing twice. That love be without hypocrisy. Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love. 
Now, if you are a Christian, you will in truth love all men. Oh, that's a big statement. You'll love all men because there's no room in a regenerate heart for hatred and grudges. But this love Paul speaks of here is different. He's talking about here in verse 10, be kindly affection one to another. And in the Greek language, that speaks of the affection that a parent has for a child. That's very significant to me. Paul is saying in verse 9, love everyone without faking. In verse 10, he's saying love everyone in the church. So there are two different things, covers everybody in verse 9, covers the church in verse 10. There is supposed to be the type of love that a parent has for his own child. Well, that's a love, isn't it? That's what we're told to do. I'm to love you just like I love my children. In the, in the love of the brethren, John Gill said there should be no affection lacking on either side. Whether we are of different gifts, different understanding, different knowledge, different experience, whether we're high or low or rich or poor or old or young, there is not to be any affection lacking on either side. It should be expressed in word or deed. One person said, It's no problem for me to love the whole world. The only real problem is my next door neighbor. <laughs> That's where you have to start, you see, with the next door neighbor. Do you love your neighbor? Love your neighbor. Surely had to go over to our neighbors while ago. Her son called and said, go over and tell mom, if you will, Shirley, that, what's his name? Matthew Casey. Matthew Casey has been in a motorcycle wreck. Was his son, was Miss Casey's grandson. And so Shirley went over there and talked to the neighbor. You have to love the neighbors. We try to give the neighbors a little fruit when we go to the fruit market and be... Then we got three widows there. We're surrounded by widows. Surely you better watch out. I tell you, there's a lot of women around there. <laughs> we have one on that corner, one across the street, one on this side over here. They're just everywhere. And we try, when we buy things, we try to get a little something for them and take them some fruit. Or, or they do the same. They all bring us something at Christmas time. And we get along good with the neighbors, and we try to show them, try to express to them the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. So start with the neighbor, and then go on to the whole world. All right, let's see verse 10. In honor preferring one another. That's the last part of verse 10. Well, now what does that mean? In honor, preferring one another. Philippians 2, verse 3. 
see if we can discover what he's talking about. Philippians 2 and verse 3. He said here in honor preferring one another. Philippians 2, 3 said, he said, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in, e and in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Esteem others the same? No, no, better. Better than yourself. And Paul really had this because he said, I'm less than the least of all saints. And he meant that. Less than the least. And if you and I in honor prefer one another and esteem others better than ourselves in whatever we do, and we do it with such humility of mind as to really be there, it'll do several things if we treat everybody else better than we treat ourselves. That's what he's talking about. It'll, it'll, do all, it'll destroy all envy. It'll curb all gossip. It'll stop all false accusations. It'll promote the honor and respect of one another. It will discourage division. It'll promote and produce unity. It will leave us to more important areas where there's room for so much growth and grace. And so he said in honor, preferring one another, and he said over here, in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. That's hard to do, isn't it? In fact, that's impossible without grace. How are we going to do that? You're not better than I am. <laughs> you're just a grade below me. Now, you're pretty good, but you're sure not better than me. That's our attitude, isn't it? But that's what he's telling us. Don't, don't have that attitude. Prefer one another. Verse 11, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Now, there are two excellent opinions on this verse. I could accept either one or both. Number one, the apostle is saying, serve the Lord. Whatever you do, do as to him. If you're engaged in the ordinary affairs of life in business or labor, remember you are God's servant and act in a way that will bring glory to his name. That was one opinion about what this is saying. The other is this. I like this one better. If you are engaged in church service, do it fervently. As to the Lord himself. And this puts the whole business in the spiritual realm and does not refer to our secular affairs. Not slothful in business. Christ said, I must be about my father's business. And when Paul said, don't be slothful in business, he is saying... Let not the service and business of the Lord degenerate into cold formalism. 
Do a good job. Do a spiritual job. You have something to do in the church? Don't be slothful in business. But all your religious duties, whether it be a discussion of the scriptures or singing or praying or giving or worshiping or witnessing or just daily living, let it all be motivated by a fervent zeal for the glory of God. Not slothful in business. So both these opinions are applicable, I guess. And verse 12, rejoicing in hope. This is talking about the hope we have of being like Christ. And this is placed between serving the Lord and being patient in trials. You notice that. Nothing tends to motivate the people of God to serve the Lord and to endure affliction like the hope of being like Christ and with Christ. Rejoicing in hope, in hope of being like Christ. And so we're encouraged and we rejoice in this hope. And we endure patient in tribulation. While we are in the world, we will have tribulation. You might as well get ready for it. It's coming. Our road to heaven is through the world, and Christ said, in this world you shall have tribulation, but every trial, don't forget this, every trial is good for you. When you go tomorrow to the doctor, that'll be good for you somehow. You look at it like that. I know it's a terrible thing to think about, but it'll be good for you. The Lord will see to it. It'll be for our good. We must learn to bear the trials and bear them without murmuring against God and without finding fault with people who are not anything but God's instruments. That's all they are. I thought about this again. That helped me a great deal. If we murmur against God and rail on the people who cause the trial, we're not bearing them patiently. And the people who have come into this church and caused me a good deal of tribulation, they were sent here by God. It was for good. But I, I set about to try to cut their heads off, but I, I couldn't catch them. No, 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 they were sent by God. The ancient people used to, used an instrument in their harvesting called the tribulum. And that tribulum was to beat the grain to divide the chaff from the wheat. And the word tribulation comes from tribulum. And tribulation truly separates the chaff 
from the wheat in human character. And that's the reason God sends it. It separates the chaff and the wheat, separates the bad from the good, shows up the bad. Hmm. A tribulum. All right, then he said, uh, continuing instant in prayer. Prayer is needful at all times. You pray very much. I don't pray very much. Continuing instant in prayer. Prayer is needful at all times, especially in time of trial, whether inward trial or outward trial. We need to learn to live with an attitude of communion with God. And where he said pray without ceasing does not mean that you're to stay on your knees 24 hours a day, but it is to have an attitude of communion with God, especially in tribulation. Have an attitude of being in God's presence at all times, continuing instant in prayer. Oh, that'll help you more than anything I can tell you tonight. Some of you have had a lot of tribulation recently. Continue instant in prayer. Talk with God. Verse 13, distributing to the necessity of saints. We're to encourage one another and exhort one another in spiritual matters. But this isn't talking here about spiritual matters. This is talking about material needs. Distributing to the necessity of saints. When a believer's in need, the people of the church are to take care of that need. We are to clothe the naked, feed the hungry, and see that the whole family of God is provided for. William Booth, who started the Salvation Army, sent out a notice to all of his workers on one occasion and just had one word on it. It said others. <laughs> others. Think of others. We, we think about ourselves too much, don't we? Think of others. How are others doing? Others in the church. And then he says, given to hospitality, our homes which God has given us ought to be dedicated as hotels of hospitality. And our hands are always ready to be employed in relieving someone's distress, someone's want, and someone's unhappiness. Open your home, because Christ said, I was hungry, you gave me meat. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was naked and you clothed me. I was in prison and you visited me. When did we do that? Well, he said, inasmuch as you've done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. Whatever you do for the brethren, you're doing for Christ. What a wonderful thought that is. That's so good. Given to hospitality. Solomon said, He who would have friends must show himself friendly. Friendly. Invite people to your home. Church people. 
Verse 14, bless them which persecute you. Down through the years, some Christians have had to endure real persecution. We don't have to do that, but we do have opposition. We're not to curse the enemies. We're to pray for them. We are to ask God to bless them. That's hard to do, isn't it? What is it to bless them? To bless them with kind words and soft answers and with intercessory prayer as our Lord prayed, Father, forgive them. Stephen prayed as they stoned the life from his body, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. Isn't that some prayer? While they're throwing rocks at me, am I going to say, Lord, forgive them? That's Christianity. Verse 15, rejoice with them that do rejoice, weep with them that weep. John Brown said the Christian makes a serious mistake who allows his faith and religion to produce a morbid, monkish spirit. And there are a lot of people that have that. We must not withdraw from one another. We must not withdraw from society if a person has a peculiar relationship, he will have a peculiar interest. And if he has that peculiar interest in others, he will want to rejoice with those who are blessed. And he will want to sincerely weep with those who mourn. This verse talks about being with people and entering into their lives. Some people come in church, they, they're so hard to even get to know. And there have been some that have come in, been here a long time, and nobody really knows them. That's not good. Get to be known to the people. And give to them necessary things. All right, our joy, let's see, verse, what was that? Verse 15. Weep with them that weep. Our joys are doubled and our sorrows are greatly diminished when we realize we're not alone. If you're not alone, you're all right, aren't you? Many hearts beat with our hearts. Stop and think about that. You hear good news. What's the first thing you do? Tell somebody. Let them rejoice with you. You want them to rejoice with you when somebody else knows about it. Your joys are doubled. And likewise, our sorrows are greatly diminished when we pour out our hearts to someone. Now, that's a good lesson for us to learn tonight. If you have great sorrow and great trouble, pour out your heart to someone in the church. Verse 16, be of the same mind one toward another. What does that mean? That means be united in your affections and in your sentiments and in your goals. The Amplified Version says live in harmony with one another. It's simple to love every Christian with the same measure or degree of love and affection. 
or it's impossible to do that because all are not equally lovable. There's some people it's hard to love, isn't it? Do you love everyone with the same amount of affection? No. No. We can't do that, but we can love everybody with the same kind of affection, not the same amount. We can be of the same mind in our affection, in our sentiments, and in our goals, though we have not the same degree of affection. Hmm. Hmm. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Don't be a big shot snob is what he's saying there. Don't to be not haughty and snobbish and exclusive, but be able to adjust yourself to people of every station of life. You are not any better than anybody else in any station of life. Some people have the big shot-itis. Now here's what Paul said. Christ our Lord was the friend of sinners. He was called a carpenter in derision. But he could adjust to the simplest station and people in life and find among them friends. And you and I ought to be able to do the same thing, just like he did. Have friends in every station of life. Mind not high things. Be not wise in your own conceits. That's just simply saying we ought to have a deep sense of our own ignorance. Don't be a smart aleck. We ought to be of a mind to always receive instruction and rebuke. There's some people you can't teach anything to. Don't be that way. Verse 17, recompense to no man evil for evil. We are not to repay evil words with evil words. Don't do that. And evil deeds for evil deeds. Private revenge is forbidden to the believer. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. Be careful in acting before the people of the world don't do anything that will give them the wrong impression of the gospel. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. Don't do anything to cause dispersion on the gospel of Christ. Verse 18, if it be possible as much as life in you, live peaceably with all men. John Brown said this is descriptive of that state in which a man does not disturb others and is not disturbed by others. The first is in our power and the second is not. That's the reason this verse says, if it be possible, we ought not offer an affront or inflict an injury on another and we are to overlook insults and unkind words which come from others. Overlook it. Doesn't mean anything. 
provide things honest in the sight of all, there are two things within our power which will go a long way toward living, living peaceably with all men. You won't know what they are. You won't live peaceably with all men. Keep your tongue under control. And secondly, study to be quiet. Mind your own business. God is a, is a great believer in minding your own business. This is talking about people outside the church. All men, mind your own business. The cause of most unrest is found in verse 19. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourself, but rather give place under wrath. When men take upon themselves to avenge their own wrongs, that's when trouble starts. And the apostle lets us know that the Lord will repay those who do not live in peace. The Lord will repay. You don't try to repay. Oh, live peaceably with all men. What, what does it mean here to give place under wrath? Things not yourself, but rather give place under wrath. It means to yield to it, keep out of its way, let it spend itself. Don't brood over injury and nurse your wrath and keep it warm. Just let it die. And verse 20, Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. Oh, vengeance is mine. You see that. Feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Your anger cannot win a man's heart, but your kindness might do it. At least your kindness may break his heart and his conscience may convict him of all of his evil doing. Be kind to evil people. And where this says heap coals of fire on his head, that's what you'll do. You all know what that's talking about. I'm not talking about getting coals of fire and pouring them on his head. That's what most people think. No, we're talking about being nice to him. Back when they had the fireplaces and a man's fire would go out, he had a container that sat on top of his head and he would go to his neighbor and said, can you loan me some coals? It was insulated, of course. And the man said, why, sure. And if he was a good neighbor, he would heat coals in that bucket and give them to the neighbor so he could start his fire up again. In so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. You're doing him good. You're starting his fire for him again. And that's what that's talking about. Verse 21, be not overcome of evil, overcome evil with good. That's saying several things. Don't let the evil man master, control, and dictate your course of action. Don't let injury, hatred, hard feelings get the better of your, of your Christian principles. Don't let the injustice of men exert an influence superior to the love of Christ over you. And don't let the evil pleasure of revenge displace the divine joy of forgiveness. Don't be overcome 
with evil, but overcome evil with good. And you say, I can't do that. Well, think about this. Think that on this principle of doing, overcoming evil with good, think what God did. He showed kindness to me. He overcame evil with good. And on this principle, my Savior came into the world to do me good as I was doing evil. And on this principle, Christ took my sins and died for me on Calvary by overcoming evil with good. And on this principle, the Holy Spirit continued to call until I heard and yielded to Christ. And on this principle, the Lord God of heaven forgives me day by day. He overcomes evil with good. And that's what we're to do. You want a little bit of heaven on earth where well, I go out tomorrow and do these things, all of them. Just do them. White man lived in South Africa, and he found a native one night near his stables where his horses were. And he accused the man of stealing, and he said, no, no, not stealing. I was taking a shortcut home, but the white man took him and cut off one of his hands. And months later, that white man was in out in the bush and a storm came up after dark and he was lost and he, he discovered a village and he was taken into a hut and fed and he awoke and he saw a native standing over him and that man held his arm up didn't have a hand on it. And that white man just knew that he would be killed. But that native man said, you're in my hut and in my power. You have maimed me for life and I would like revenge. We said, Christ forbids this. And so I forgive you. He had come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we're talking about. That's all of these things in one. Do it. And go over these things again every day and practice. And quit being so mean, will you? <laughs> All right, let's stand for prayer. Our Lord, thank you for all these things. We, we must have divine grace to practice all of this. But help us to be a practicing child of God. One who wants to do right. And if we could just, Lord, get your divine help in doing right. Help each one of us to take all of these things and go back over them in our mind and heart and do our best to live each day as unto the Lord. Thank you for this good church. Bless it. Use it. 
for your glory. We pray for dear Micah. She goes to the doctor tomorrow. Lord, give her grace and give the doctor knowledge. And Lord, we just trust you to take care of her. We thank you for it. Bless us in Christ's name. Amen.